Can we back in the Lord's Prayer here today? We've been studying through this passage little by little, and we'll just pick it up in one verse here this morning and then look at a couple of others. Verse number 12. Let's all stand to our feet, if we could please, in honor of the Word of God here today. Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 12. This should be the prayer of every Christian. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Verse number 14, Jesus said, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please speak to hearts this morning. Pour out your Spirit upon your people. Thank you, Lord. You're the best thing that ever happened to me. Man, I'm lost without you. Thank you for saving me, for giving me a chance as unworthy as I am to preach in your name. I pray that you would please do a work in our midst today that only you and your precious word and Holy Spirit can do. We pray this as we ask it in Jesus' name. and Amen. You can be seated. Often, when we pray, we pray for the Lord's forgiveness. And we should. I believe that God's people ought to keep, as you've heard many times, short accounts with the Lord. If we sin, we ought to confess and forsake and allow the Lord to forgive us. And the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you thankful for that? Now, that seems in somewhat contradiction with what we just read, doesn't it? Now, God said if I ask Him for forgiveness, He'll forgive me, but then He says He won't forgive me if I don't forgive others. And you see, the problem always rests within our thinking when there seems to be a contradiction of Scripture. We're going to look in the Bible this morning at forgiveness and freedom. Forgiveness and freedom. When the Lord taught us to pray, He taught us to pray and ask Him to forgive us for our own debts. In Luke, He says to forgive us for our sins. Later on, he talks about trespasses in verse number 14. You saw that? So, God calls our transgressions, our sins against Him, three different things in different relations of this passage. One, He calls them debts. One, He calls them trespasses. And in the other, He calls them sins. Those words are largely used interchangeably. They're not terribly different from one another. But what he relays to us here is that each and every one of us are going to be wronged in our own personal lives. And when he talks about 
asking Him to forgive our debts as we ought to do on a regular basis. He then says that we should ask for Him uh, or help us to forgive our debtors. The reality is that the longer you live this Christian life, the more times things will happen, whether in the church or out of the church, whether at work or in your home, that you will have to make a choice to forgive or not to forgive. Is everybody okay? And it is a choice. A lot of times we like to put conditions on our forgiveness. And we like to say, well, I'll forgive if they... Well, I'll forgive if this. And we like to put conditions on our forgiveness. Well, the Lord says if we confess our sins that He is faithful and just. So I'm not going to forgive that person until they come and confess that they were wrong and they decide to get right with me. But do you understand that God's forgiveness of mankind is predetermined? You understand He's already made the choice to forgive you? You understand before the foundations of the world that He already laid down redemption's plan because He knew we would transgress against Him. And he had, Hey, listen to this preacher. He had a predetermined forgiveness. He already had a heart to forgive His people before they ever did it. And so it reveals to us the heart of God. Now listen to me. On the flip side of that, in our humanity, we often do not have a predetermined forgiveness. We're looking for conditions to be met. We're looking for changes to happen. We're looking for differences to take place. And the reality is that we ought to, as our Savior did, forgive others as He forgave us and have the, the, the same predisposed idea that it doesn't matter what people do to me or what happens to me. I'm going to forgive and I'm going to move on. And that way when it happens, you can honestly fall on your knees before an almighty God and say, God, forgive me for my debts as I have already forgiven those who have debts against me. But I'll be honest with you. Often when I kneel to pray, it's a different prayer. Lord, please forgive me for my debts and my trespasses and help me to forgive those who have debts and trespasses against me. That's not what he told us to pray, but in my flesh, often, that's the way I have to pray. Is everybody okay? We need to have a predetermined forgiveness for all people, as the Lord does. He tells us that we are to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, and why should we do it even as God for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Our Heavenly Father has forgiven us a whole lot, hasn't He? If we could put up on these television screens the thoughts that entered into all of our minds this week, all of us would have a destroyed testimony. Thoughts of anger. Thoughts of lust. Thoughts of unforgiveness. All of us struggle at times with things that we need to be forgiven for. And aren't you glad 
that our Heavenly Father promised us that if we confess it, that He will. So then, where does that leave us with this passage? Now, I'm not going to claim to be the authority on what this means. But I believe that God gives us a clue if you'll turn your Bibles over to Matthew chapter number 18. In Matthew chapter number 18, the Bible says that the disciples, as they often did, were talking with Jesus. Jesus is teaching them some things. And in verse number 21, the Bible says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my who <laughs> brother sin against me, and I what? Forgive him. Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until what? Seventy times seven. What is that? 490 times. <laughs> now, I do not believe that God's intention was for us to count 490 times of forgiveness and then say, I'm finally free. I don't have to do it anymore. The number seven. And by the way, if you've if, if you got somebody in your life that you've had to do that with, God bless you. Uh, but the number seven is a number of perfection and completion in the Bible, right? And so I believe what God is trying to communicate to all of His people is, <coughs> excuse me, that we need to forgive to perfection, to completion. That we need to forgive as often as it takes to have perfect and complete forgiveness. And so Peter says, shall I forgive seven times? And then I'm good, right? And the Lord says, Peter, how about 70 times seven? Let's, let's try that. He wasn't saying, count it, Peter, and then when you get to that number, you can be free. I believe he was saying, look, you say the number seven because the Lord had taught us to love one another and to forgive one another. But I say you ought to forgive completely and perfectly and you ought to do it and let it go and leave it be as many times as it takes. And who did he say to do that with? Peter was asking about his brother, right? Now, I mean, if, if we, if we can, the Doucettes can probably testify to this. Brothers have to forgive each other every now and then. Within the family, we certainly need to have a spirit of forgiveness. And I can just say this, and this is not necessarily a message, but, but we, we, have, we also have a tendency as Christians sometimes to forgive in the church house and then skip all of this stuff in our own house. I'll forgive the deacon and the preacher and I'll forgive the person across the pew, but my wife, she just grates on me. My kids... Our spirit sometimes changes in the house. That's just a, that's just a little side thought, a little rabbit trail. Yeah. Brother John, don't you have a place to preach today? <laughs> you know what? That's right, Brother Chris. It's time for the invitation. That's what that just revealed. That's right. But we do. We often dismiss the doctrines of God in our own home. We make exceptions. But I believe the brother he was talking about here was not necessarily the brother in his home, but his Christian brother, the brother who he is in close relation with. And the Lord said, you ought to forgive each other completely and perfectly as often as you need to. 
Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Verse number 23, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. That's the way they did things back then. If you had a debt and you could not pay it, they would take you and sell you to secure their debt. Verse number 26, The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him. And what? Forgave him the debt. And y'all, this is a picture. Of all of the debt that we have to our account. And when we came to a perfect and holy Savior and said, Lord, I cannot pay. I'm lost and there is no way to pay this off. I forgot my hanky this morning. I don't have it. So I guess I'm just going to have to cry on my suit. Oh, the debt that I owed and still owe. And how often I still have to fall on my knees and say, Lord, forgive me a sinner. And he does. But all the debt that we have on our sinful account, what we have earned, the wages of our sin that have piled up against us, when we came as a guilty sinner, unable to pay. And by the way, that's the only way you can come to Jesus. You cannot come to Him thinking that there's anything that you can do to get yourself out or that there's any way for you to work your way out of this problem. You cannot come to Jesus thinking it's Jesus' forgiveness plus all the stuff that you need to do. It has to be you as a helpless sinner realizing that there is nothing you can do and that all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags and that they will never measure up and that there is no hope without Jesus Christ and you turn unto Him as a wicked lost sinner and you say, God, forgive me for my sin Take me to heaven when I die. And when you put all of what you have on everything that He has paid, it's settled. The fellas sang some songs about that this morning. (laughs) They didn't know what I was preaching. I didn't know what they were singing. I suppose the Lord knows. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. Verse 26, a servant therefore fell down and worshipped him. Said, I'm not done with it. I remember on December 21st, 1991, when I fell on my face before the Lord Jesus Christ and I said, Lord, I'm a sinner. The freedom that came with that forgiveness.
Verse number 27, Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Aren't you glad you have a pitiful God? I don't mean pitiful in the way that he is pitiful the way that we look at it. The Bible says that he is pitiful towards us that He has pity towards us, that He loves us, that He cares for us, and He's moved with compassion when we come to Him as a sinner. Aren't you glad about that? Yes. Because men are always moved with compassion when we come to them for forgiveness, but God always is. Verse number 28, But the same servant went out <coughs> and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, which was a fraction of what he owed. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Same scenario. And he would not. But went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry. And came and told unto their Lord all that was done. And then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant. I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant even as I had what? Pity on thee. And his Lord was what? And delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother, there what? Now listen. We know this passage. And many say, and maybe they're right, that this passage is not written to Christians, it's written to those that are lost, and that if you have never truly been forgiven, that you won't know how to forgive, and that you'll be delivered over to the torment of hell. And that is true, that you will be delivered over the torment of hell if you have not been forgiven for your sins. But this whole thing starts by asking, Lord, how often should I forgive my brother? Right? And then look again at verse number 32. And he said, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee, what? All that debt. I, to me, that doesn't fit. Because the story is about somebody who has been forgiven. So then how do you measure all this out? It doesn't contradict with what Jesus promised us that if we confess that He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. It doesn't contradict with that. But here's what I believe He's saying and I think it's very clear. That there is torment in unforgiveness. And when we do not live a life of forgiveness towards all that we will live a life of torment. The torment first of all, of being required to pay the price for your own trespasses and sins in this life. Let me explain. I believe the Lord is communicating to us that there are debts that we all owe and that He is merciful and gracious and often we don't have to pay the price for the sins that we commit. Aren't you glad when you confess your sins that He forgives you, and there's not always a penalty for it. Now there is sometimes a consequence for our sin that cannot be overcome. But hear me out. One man 
is forgiven and not punished. The other man does not forgive and is punished. Are you listening? And I believe if we live a life where we are not willing to forgive others, that what can very possibly happen is that when the consequences of your sin come along, God will forgive you for your sin, but you may still pay the consequences because you want others to pay for theirs. You want to live a life where God shows you mercy? You better show mercy. You want a life where God shows you the kind of love and kindness that you desire? Show the kind of love and kindness that you desire from God to others. Listen to me. Please listen to this preacher. I have watched while people who would not let go of some wrong that had been done against them. Had situation after situation after chastisement after chastisement come down upon their life. Because you do understand that not forgiving somebody is a sin, right? And to not forgive somebody to be in sin means that God will chastise you for an unrepented sin. Are you with me? but we don't see unforgiveness that way. We think that sin is an action that we commit against God, but not necessarily an omission like this is, where I'm just not doing something. I'm not sinning, but I'm not forgiving. But listen to this preacher. I watched one Sunday as a man stood up before a church and in all the genuineness of his heart said to the entire crowd, I have done some things that I apologize for. I've created tension. I've created discord. I, I, I've, I've, I've caused problems, and I'm sorry. And I watched the tears roll down his cheeks as he asked for forgiveness. Now you listen to this preacher. And I watched as a cold-hearted church sat there and refused to forgive. And I expected his tenderness to bring about more tenderness. And when the service was over, I had preached my message and he stood up before the church and asked for forgiveness. And when the service was over, he stood there all by himself without a soul coming to him. And he came to me afterwards and said, Preacher, I don't understand. I said, Brother so-and-so, I don't either. And it wasn't some egregious sin. He hadn't disqualified himself from any area of ministry. He was just bothered that he felt like he had sown some discord and wanted to get right with the people. And I'm here to tell you, I watched as a preacher, I watched as those people, many of them, dealt with constant trouble. As a Christian, you want God to show you mercy? I do. Be merciful. Can God forgive you for your sin and still make you pay for your consequences? It's not what I want. I need as much mercy as I can get. Next. I do believe 
He's also talking about the torment of eternal fire. Because unforgiving people are often a sign of somebody who has not been forgiven. And I want to preach on that for just a moment. I believe there are people in our churches who claim to be saved, but don't have a spirit of forgiveness because you've never known the forgiveness of the Holy Spirit of God and the power of the Holy Spirit of God resting upon you. And I'm here to tell you, listen, if you claim to be saved, but you have a hard time with grudges, and you have a hard time with people, and you've got a bad spirit towards God's people. In the book of 1 John, the Bible... Hey, listen to this preacher. We don't like this kind of stuff because it's kind of hard. But the book of 1 John tells us that if we are one of His, that we will love the brethren. Now, I'm not saying everybody that struggles with unforgiveness is lost. Not it at all. I'm saying you ought to evaluate your heart. Is everybody okay? <laughs> Lastly, the torment of being required to pay the price for your own trespasses and sins in this life, not in eternity. Secondly, the torment of eternal fire because unforgiving people are often a sign that they've never been forgiven. Thirdly, the personal, mental, emotional, and spiritual torment of unforgiveness. You see, here's what happens. Would you please look at verse number 34 of chapter 18. <laughs> and his Lord was what? Wroth. Do you see that? And delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Do you see that? Made him pay for his pay the consequences for what he had done, right? And his Lord was wroth. Do you see that? You know one of the most tormenting things about not forgiving others is that I believe it creates distance from God in your spiritual walk. Because He is willing to forgive and has forgiven. And He doesn't take kindly to others who don't. Are you with me? And what can happen over time is that we can end up living in personal spiritual turmoil because you're trying to get a hold of God, but you can't seem to hear His voice. You're trying to get the presence of God, but you can't seem to find any type, listen to me, of God's presence in your life. Hey, stay with this preacher. We often deal with what seems like distance from the Lord in our personal life. And sometimes when that's the case, one of the first things you ought to evaluate is, Lord, is there anybody in my life that I have not gotten right with and forgiven Because I tell you what, <laughs> I don't want to live this life because I've got some grudge against some other person Amen. and lose the loving care and kindness and closeness of my Lord. Yeah. I want to be able to fall on my knees and know His presence. 
I want to be able to open my Bible and know that he's speaking. But I believe it creates distance. And it becomes a spiritual torment when you can't have that walk with God like you used to. It becomes an emotional and mental torment when you won't forgive others because it weighs on your emotions and causes you to hate others and causes you to have spitefulness and causes you to have a bad spirit and causes you to have things in your life that torment you. I'm going to close with this. Is everybody still okay? Two weeks ago I was preaching at Kite River Revival Campgrounds in Illinois. It's the ministry there of Northwest Bible Baptist Church where my wife grew up and where I went to college. After the last message I preached on Wednesday night, a whole bunch of young people started getting right with their parents and with each other and their youth pastors and God poured out His Spirit upon that place and young people were getting right about everything with each other. Calling their parents on the phone. And I had a young man come to me and he said, Brother Levins, can I talk? He's from Kenya. And there was a whole crew of them, five or six of them that came to camp from Minnesota. There's a little, I could be wrong, Ethiopia, Kenya, I cannot remember, but there's a community of those people there in Minnesota near a certain church, and they've been reaching them through their youth group. Amen. This young man came, and he said, can we talk? And I said, I'd love to, and we went off to the side, talked for a little while. And he said, I'm not very good at expressing things, so I just tell stories. Is that okay? I said, go ahead. So he told me the story of his life. How that he grew up in a different country and he said, I prayed for a brother and the Lord gave me a brother. And I prayed for another one and the Lord gave me another brother. He said, then I prayed for more siblings and God gave me two sisters. And he said, my mom and dad loved each other and they were, our family was healthy and good. And he said, then we moved to America. He said, I don't know what happened when we got here. But he said, my dad changed. He said, I think he started drinking. And he'd come home angry like I'd never seen him before. And he and my mom would fight. He said, I was 12 or 13 years old. And one day it got so bad that I knew I had to stand up and do something. And he said, I know, I, I, it was my father. I didn't know if I was doing the right thing or not, but I couldn't let my mother get beat like that. And he said, I stood up and tried to defend my mother, and my dad beat me. And he said, I ran out of the house, or out of the apartment downstairs to one of the other neighbors and asked him to call 911, and they called 911, and he said, I knew I couldn't leave my mom up there, so I ran back upstairs, and he said, I just I stood there in fear. He said, I was hurting. 
And I didn't know what else to do, but I didn't want to leave my mother alone. He said I couldn't step in and help my mom, but I just stood there and watched. He said the police came. We had no choice but to press charges. My dad was thrown into jail. Long story short, he said when I was 15 or 16 years old, my dad came back into the home and we didn't want him there. He said the same thing started happening again. He said now I was a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger and this time I stood up to my father and my dad stood down and left her alone. He said now I play the role of the father in my home. He said, sometimes I want to be able to go to youth activities while all the other kids my age, he's 16 years old, he said, while all the, all the other kids my age are going to church and going to the youth activity and I have to miss some because I have to work to make money to provide food for the family and my mom works. He said, sometimes I have to stay home and cook, cook dinner for everybody while everybody else is going out to play basketball at the basketball courts and soccer on the soccer field. And he said, I don't know what to do. but I want to be right with my dad. I called him by name. I said, young man, the first thing you've got to do is forgive him. And I know that's hard to hear, but you've got to forgive him. And even if he's never back in your life again and he maybe doesn't need to be, you can take care of your end of that equation. We talked for a little while longer and he walked off with tears strolling down his cheeks. The next morning, his youth pastor came by the table where we were eating and I actually it was for lunch. <laughs> I stepped up to go talk to his youth pastor. I said, so-and-so came to talk to me last night. I asked him to come talk to you and share his heart with you. Did he do so? He said he did. He said, I've never seen him like I saw him last night. He's never opened up to me ever before. Now listen to me. From the conversation I had with him at the end of that service to whatever time it was that night that they talked in the dormitory, he said, let me tell you something. He stood there and cried. And he said, I've never felt like this before. I finally forgave him. And he said, it feels so good. And I feel so free. We stood there and wept together. And I said, I'm so glad to hear it. That young man walked around with a smile on his face that next day in spite of all of his hardship. You know what he got? He got deliverance from all that mental and emotional torment that he had been in. And he found freedom. The freedom of forgiveness. And when the Holy Spirit of God met with that young man again, he found himself in a place he hadn't known for a long time. He found himself in a place of spiritual, mental, and emotional freedom. 
Are you listening to me this morning? If you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither shall your heavenly Father forgive you yours. Listen. I believe you may have to pay the debt for some of your sins when you're living a life that others need to pay back to you what they've done wrong to you. God can forgive you and He will if you confess your sins. But your trespasses and the penalties for them, that might be a different story. Secondly, if you're lost and on your way to hell this morning, you may not know how to truly forgive somebody. And I tell you, you come to a perfect Savior and get forgiven for your sins and you know how to truly forgive others. Be delivered from the torment of hell. And thirdly, you can be delivered from the personal torment of unforgiveness through mental, emotional, and spiritual freedom. Forgiveness and freedom. They go hand in hand. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please take these truths, work them into our hearts and minds. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around this morning, how many would say, <coughs> Preacher, if I were to die today,